True Crime Girls contains content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. develop Stockholm Syndrome with yourself? Because honestly, this mandated lockdown slash quarantine situation has me wondering. And scene. Oh, look, it came up in yours, too. <laughs> um, I don't know how to start this. So my... I, I, I'm going to try and get through mine as quick as possible, but it's a she's a long one. Is it a lot? Mm-hmm. I saw it as um, good, I was though. looking for mine. Wait, who are you doing again? Colleen Stan, the girl in the box. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's I right, found that's a right. bomb two-part documentary on Amazon that I watched and basically transcribed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it. I kind of like copy and pasted mine basically, but um, I liked it because the girl kills herself in the end because she like just couldn't handle I, it. I, I was toying with that one. So when I saw you put it, I was like, hmm, it's a good one. Yeah, that's why. Because <laughs> everybody's like, you know, they live their lives out, blah, blah, blah. They kind of yeah. go to ba- back to normal and, she well, as normal as they could. Yeah. But she um, she was not having it at all. Crazy. Mary McElroy. Okay. <clears throat> May I have your attention, please? With a real Slim Shady, please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. <laughs> um, all right, let's begin. And action. I saved this beer. I opened it, but I saved it so we could start recording, and it's now been like 20 minutes. <laughs> and I really want a sip of it. Take a sip. Are we starting? Yeah, I mean, she just no. said action. Yeah. Sip it up. Intro. Sip it and on, but ASMR it. Oh, you should. <laughs> you, you can do this. There we go. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then smack your lips. Oh, I thought you were choking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, we're a mess. This season is a shit show. Listen. Literally. Fucking literally. Everybody's 2020 is just now going to shit, but ours started... Back in 2019. <laughs> okay. Like, oh my God. <sighs> but we'll it's get fine. through it. We're all going to get through it. <sighs> Probably. Get through this. Just kidding. Maybe. That song? <laughs> More than right. likely. This is our third time starting this. <laughs> It'll be fine. We've been talking for 40 minutes. Like, yeah. We've been talking for like half an episode. (laughs) Literally. 
My stomach is killing me. I drank so much last night. We shouldn't be out, but we went out. No. Um, when we're recording this, this will come out next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are probably still social distancing and quarant- self-quarantining. That is the best, though. They need... And I'm an, I know. They, Everyone's, like, so up in arms. I'm like, this is the best time of my life. Everything is social true. is canceled. I can just mm-hmm. stay home and no one questions me. Nope. The only reason we went out is because we took out um, my boyfriend's sister for her. She just turned 21. Aww. She turned 21 and the first place we went to didn't even card her. <laughs> That's depressing. Yeah. We're like, it's her 21st birthday. And he's like, happy birthday. And never carded her. Cool. <laughs> Thank you. That's so stupid. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. That just went away. Oh, but, have you guys seen that meme? I think it's of Marilyn Manson, like, looking out the window. Yeah. And it's, like, everyone <laughs> freaking out about not being able to go. I was like, I've been preparing my whole life for this. Mm-hmm. All the, um, like, Steam, which is a video game, like, PC, like, you log on to play different video games, it broke a record yesterday for Stop. how many people were on it, yeah. Like, all the I, video um, game people are like, ah! <laughs> yeah, stay home! <laughs> I know. And then, like, a lot of people are, ma- like, getting to work remote, schools yeah. are fucking shutting down, mm-hmm. the child school shut down yeah, until Spencer's the end of the sister. month. Spencer's yeah. sister shut down. I'll be at work. Actually, this week they had me in training, so it's just like easy money. Like you're just sitting in a classroom looking at a computer for eight mm-hmm. hours, and then I love that. they put you in a hotel, and you're just fucking being lazy bitch all day. It's amazing. Yep. Dreams. Dreams are coming true right now. Not in the best possible circumstances, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah, Spencer obviously has to go to work because police yeah <laughs> same and i know we I got don't. out of the hospital just in time yep. like it sucks it's sad to say because i feel bad for like all my friends are all the nurses like i follow a lot of them on instagram and like we're still friends and it's like it's sad to see the shit that's going on but i'm so glad we got out of there because yeah. we've been fucking freaking out yep yeah crystal has kids and then i mean i don't have my own kids but i have you know the kids and then yeah. with brian's health it's not these are the times and to lighten your mood we're okay. going to talk about more horrible things all right well yeah so the world's going to shit and but we're still here we're here for you guys we're doing this for you <clears throat> you're welcome Again, man, you're so welcome. Um, tell your friends. Like, as everyone's self-isolating, tell them. Be like, hey, you should go binge True Crime Girls. Mm-hmm. This is It'll the best time. It'll give you something to do. It'll and make you feel better. Because when you think life is a shit show, you will listen to us and realize we are the real shit show and you feel better <laughs> about your life. Yeah, 100%. No, fuck, especially, especially that first episode. Oh, oh God. I still... Cringe. Everybody needs a cringe-worthy moment in their lives, and that's ours. Hands I just down. hate that it's our first one because I feel like people are just like, whoop. <laughs> nope. I mean, let's say you got like three to seven minutes into the first episode, and then you're like, fuck this. And then you listen to like one of our newer ones, you'd be like, mm, maybe. Yeah. That's like, true. At least it's better. We use our fucking real names. <sighs> and we're not as well. 
we're still awkward, but not as awkward. No. And we're open about it. Ugh, God. So that was like when we were trying to be cool. Yeah, that's I what felt happens like we when were you try. trying to be cool. And now we're just like, we're not cool. We're shit. <laughs> <laughs> or just normal fucking people, dude. <laughs> All right. All right. So, Stockholm Syndrome. Does anybody have the definition? Definition? Do you, Kyle? No, but I can. Oh, look Stockholm it up. Syndrome? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> So it's feelings of trust or affection felt in many cases of kidnapping or hostage taking by a victim towards a captor. So a lot of the time they're like extended periods of time. So you do kind of like start to empathize with them and build like relationships. But some stories are only like hours and they kind of develop the same bond. It may be like under stress or because of the trauma of the whole situation. But regardless, a lot of it from what I read is like what's happening to them is so traumatic and then this mm-hmm. captor does one nice thing for them mm-hmm. and they're so thankful that like, it just it like just, triggers something yeah it completely triggers them and it's really like a crazy fucking phenomenon and there's a lot of cases um there are some obviously that are like much more uh popular than others but um it's kind of insane. It's super like reading, insane. and they're they're all, yes, mm-hmm. like similar circumstances. They were captured, they were kidnapped, they were taken, whatever. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like every story is so fucking different. Yes, and it's such a range because you have ones that do feel like they end up falling in love with the person, yeah. and then you have ones that are just kind of unsure. Like mine, uh, I guess she did kind of like fall in love with him but she know she's aware that it's not like normal normal love yeah so and but then you do have those people who do feel like they actually do love this person just so fu- i that's weird um who wants to start i mean i can start mine's like uh, oh you said I yours was longer written yeah. Okay. So I have a lot written, so I can try and like get through it as fast as I can. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Uh, okay. Hold on. It's loading. It. So. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So May nineteenth, nineteen seventy seven, a twenty year old girl <laughs> named Colleen Stan was hitchhiking, hoping to get a ride to her friend's place in Northern California. She made it from Eugene, Oregon to Red Bluff, California, and only had 100 miles to go until her friend's place. She hitchhikes for about 20 minutes, and a car stops. It was a bunch of guys in the car. She got a bad feeling and said no to that car. Then another car stops. It was a young couple, and they told her they weren't going that far. So she was like, it's okay, I'll just find another one, and they went on their way. Finally, a third car stops after about another 10 minutes. It's a man and a woman who, and the woman's holding a baby. It's the 70s. So so everything seemed fine. Like they're just a couple and um, on their way, they even stopped to like go to the bathroom. So she went to the bathroom. Um, 
Colleen has said that while she was in the bathroom, she was like overtaken by this just like uneasy feeling, you know, that gut feeling that you're never, ever, ever supposed to ignore. (laughs) And she still fucking ignored it. And, and, and she ignored it. Um, So she got back in the car and when she got back in the car, she noticed that a wooden box was now in the back seat with her, just like a wooden box. Um, but she ignored it. She was like, okay, that's weird. But, And they continued on their way. Um, so once they were in an isolated area, the man named Cameron Hooker held a knife to her throat. He handcuffs her hands behind her back and then um, put this like leather constraint face mask slash like muzzle over her face like it cinched at the bottom and it like covered it her eyes were open but like it covered like all right Mm -hmm. here so she couldn't open her mouth or anything um so um so she was unable to scream for help um this whole time the wife and the baby are just playing in a stream nearby like they just left and let him kind of do his thing all right honey have fun yeah um so um he then lays her down on the seat and puts this box over her head. So the bo- part of the box that she had seen, it just looked like a wooden box, but the bottom of the box had a like a latch and a place for her head to be stuck inside the box. Oh god. So she put, he put the box over her head, locked it, um and had her, she was laying down and then he put her sleeping bag over her. So like while they were driving if someone stopped, they <sighs> wouldn't see her in the back seat. I feel, like, confined just listening oh, to this. just wait. Just wait. Mm. Um, the wife and child get back in the car, and they drive off. So she's in the dark. She explains how difficult it was to breathe. Like, she couldn't breathe. It was so well, hot. Well, yeah, because she has the mask and then the box over it. And then the sleeping bag over that. Oh, so fuck. she so hard for her to breathe, and it was so hot because it was summertime. Or was it summertime? Yeah, around summertime, spring, summer. Um, so Colleen was taken to a house. Like, she didn't really know where she was being taken to at the time, but it did turn out to be a house. Um, the head box, which is what it's referred to, like, basically from here on out, mm-hmm. was taken off, and a blindfold was put on her. So she had the face muzzle and this blindfold on. So she couldn't really see still. Um, but... He took her into what seemed like was the basement of this house, and he took the handcuffs off of her, stripped her naked, hooked her wrists to leather, like, wrist restraints that were hooked into the ceiling. Um, Oh, my God. And then he pulled whatever she was standing on out from under her, so she was hanging naked (gasps) by her wrists. Oh, my God. How did her (laughs) arm not pop out? She said it was, like, the worst pain, like, she's ever felt. Or so she thought, I guess. Um, He then began to whip her. And he told her to shut up and hang there. Um, After he was done, um, she's just laying there. And so she tries to, like, kind of, like, peek out from, like, the bottom of the blindfold. So she can see, like, the floor. And she kind of, like, looks around. And she sees, like, an S&M magazine kind of, like, on the side. And then she sees... The man and his wife having sex right underneath her. Ew. Yeah. 
So he unhooked her from the ceiling, put the head box back on, and then shoved her in a crate from the neck down. So she had this head box on, and then she had another box for her body, which her hands were attached to, so she couldn't move. Um, And then he just left her there. For how long? So um, she wouldn't be free again for seven years. What? Yeah. But more stuff happens. So she doesn't stay in that particular box. This beer's not going to be enough. (laughs) She doesn't stay. I know. (laughs) I started watching the documentary. I was like, oh, fuck. You know what this reminds me of? Hmm. The toy box killer. Yes. Yeah. Okay, proceed. Shit. Okay, so he would do strange things, um, like take her out of the box, chain her to a table, put the head box back on her, and then just leave her there, like chained to the table, but not do anything to her, like just leave her naked, chained to this table. That's fucking weird. Um, Other ways that she was tortured, especially in the beginning, um, because he was obviously trying to assert his dominance over her Mm -hmm. and break her down. Um, She was shocked. She was poked. She was once told to put a gun in her mouth and pull the trigger, which she did, but the gun was empty. Oh, she was ready to fucking die. Yeah. Um, I don't have it here, but... Oh, here. He also made a homemade torture stretcher where he would tie her to it and crank it so she would be stretched. Yep. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with these people? So, um, her family and friends were obviously getting worried after they hadn't heard that she had made it to um, the friend's house. Uh, so, her roommates filed a missing persons report, but a lot of the investigations led nowhere because yeah. she just up and vanished. I mean, she was hitchhiking. Yeah. Um, her parents began their own search. They followed her hitchhiking journey, filing a missing persons report all like along, along the, the way, way. Um, in each city. Um, They even stayed at a motel and had no idea she was being tortured just down the street. No. Um, How old was she? 21. 20. 20. 20 years old. Um, So months went by with no trace of her being imprisoned. Colleen lost track of time. Um, His favorite thing to do was the suspending and whipping her. Um, and but Colleen was always naked. She ate, drank, went to the bathroom when he said, and only when he said. Oh my God. Um, she learned that survival meant obeying his every word. Um, he he even told her one time, basically, if you scream, I'll slit your vocal cords. Oh, and he God. said, I've done it before, which will be an important thing later. Um, so every night she would ask him, when are you going to let me go? And every night he would answer pretty soon. For seven years. Well, eventually she just stopped asking because it was just obviously not. Um, so eventually after being in the box for so long, like about like, um, eight months or so. He built her a room under the stairs of the basement and started to put her to work. 
So that's where she would basically be locked up and he called it the workshop. And so like one of her jobs, like he, he just had like pounds and pounds of like walnuts and she just shelled walnuts all day. Like, yeah, just like random shit. Just more ways to like assert dominance. Like fuck with her. Yeah, stupid shit. But this was the first time that she had the blindfold off in seven months. So she says she remembers like seeing light for the first time and like how Mm. how it hurt. Like it hurt her. After hearing this much, I just remembered what the topic of this episode is. Yeah. And I'm pissed. Yeah, me too. I was pissed after he hung her for the first time. Like I'm pissed at what he did to her, but I'm really pissed about the Stockholm part. So I'm sorry. Hers isn't as bad as other Other Stockholm cases, but you will get very angry. Yes. Um, So um, it's also uh, she felt like it was good to be able to like use her hands and not be in total darkness. So she had so much relief that he had allowed this to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So after these eight months, he had told her that he was part of a powerful underground slave trading outfit called The Company. And he handed her a contract with her name and his name. And it was like a full contract that she was supposed to sign that would make her his slave for life. Um, He said if she doesn't sign it, he will make her wish she had. So she signed. Uh. Um, Her slave name became Kay Powers, which that it's only like really mentioned once, but they called her Kay like around the house. Um, So she was no longer confined to that box. Um, She was given a nightgown to wear and allowed upstairs to do chores. Um, She was a true slave. She wasn't allowed to look at him or anyone in the eye. She would do everything they said, and she would not speak unless spoken to. She had to address him as sir or master and his wife as ma'am. He warned her that if she ran away, the company would hunt her down, nail her hands to a beam, and leave her hanging for days. She's like, fuck it. That's better than what I'm fucking going through now. And then he said they would even harm her family. That's how they get them. When he said the family thing, like she was doing whatever he wanted. Yeah. Like, um, so, where am I? Uh, okay. Janice, the wife, was always very jealous of Colleen, or at least Colleen felt like she seemed very jealous in the beginning. Um, his wife was young. She was only 19. She oh treated God. She treated Colleen like she was the other woman, like she had chose to be there, like just the way she was yeah. treated. Um, I have theories, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, progression again in- ensued. Blindfolded and gagged, she was taken upstairs to the bedroom, tied up to the bed. Cameron and Janice were both in the room, and Cameron starts raping Colleen. Um... So up until this point, he hadn't raped her. He had just tortured her. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he was done, he took her back downstairs and locked her back in the box. So it's just that constant, like, just when yeah. you think you're free a little bit, you're not. Yeah. Um, this would happen on a regular basis, which his wife Janice had an issue with. Um, 
allegedly the deal was that he could have a slave, but the sex was reserved for her because she wanted another child. So he was breaking that agreement. Um, So because of this, most of the rapes occurred when his wife wasn't home. Of course. Um, After a year, Cameron Hooker moved his family to a mobile home more secluded than the original home. He was afraid people would get suspicious. This place had no basement, so he constructed another box. Similar to, um, actually, it, it was basically like the entire bottom of the mattress. He just basically made like a box under their mattress of the waterbed where she would just have to crawl into and he would lock her in it and they would sleep oh above her every night. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so, um, but this is where Colleen heard that he would also torture Janice. Um, when Janice gave birth to their second child, he let Colleen out to look at the baby and locked her back up in the box. Like, it was just, like, what very, like, yeah. Um, like, say hi to Aunt Colleen. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, and bye. say bye to Aunt Colleen. <laughs> yeah. So, as time went on, she got more, quote, unquote, freedom. She would take care of the kids. Kid, kids. Kids. <laughs> Um, Sean, Sean, Sean Connery, Connery over here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, watch them play in the yard. She was even allowed a 15-minute jog around the neighborhood. But again, Girl. she was so afraid that if she didn't come back, her yeah. family yeah. would be in danger. Um, March 1981, after four years in captivity... Cameron Hooker let her call home to tell her family she was coming for a visit. I can't. He told her the company had approved and would allow her to go home to see her family, but the company would be monitoring the visit the whole time. He told her that, like, they had bugged the house, like, they had already done all this stuff. Instill that fear. Yep. So Cameron went with her. And was introduced as her boyfriend. And then left her at the house with her family. The whole time, Colleen didn't say anything for fear the company would come after her family. I can't. She stayed the night. Cameron picked her up the next day. She even posed lovingly with him in a photo. Um, which she explains it. She was just so happy to see her family. Like... She didn't, she didn't care. Didn't care. Yeah. She just didn't care. She was just so <clears throat> happy. Um, but she willingly got in the car, drove off with Cameron, and she was locked back in the box. Sometimes he locked her in there for 23 hours a day. So what she had was a bedpan in the corner. Oh my so, But if you, like, the box looks like... Like, it just looks like another mattress. So, a yeah. mattress is 10, maybe 12 feet high. I'm thinking of, like, the, like, in the RV that Eileen's parents have. Like, you're able to lift the mattress. Right. And it's kind so of like an area, extra storage. Exactly. So, that's what I'm thinking. That's I'm imagining. lived. Minus but the, like, lifting up portion. I, I'm assuming you're getting to the point of, like, you still have to pee and poop laying down. Yes. 
Well, she said she would basically, like, fold herself so her, like, butt was, like, in the corner and on the bedpan. And then she just had to, like, balance herself. It's, like, so sad. So sad. Oh, this is, like, giving me, like, the, like, not creeps, but just, like, I feel, like, anxious just thinking of being in that space. Yeah. Um... One day after being the hooker slave for seven years, so while Cameron was at work, Janice started taking um, Colleen out of the box and they would sit there and read the Bible together. Cause that's oh my one, God, Janice. That is one thing that like Colleen holds that like, that's one thing that she was allowed to read all the time. And so like, she just held tight to that. That was like her one thing. Mm-hmm. So her and Janice would read the Bible together, and the dynamics between the women started changing. May 1984, Cameron allows Colleen to sleep on the living room floor for the first time. Um, he allowed her to begin going to church with Janice. And oh, my God. she was allowed to get a job cleaning at a motel in Red Bluff. Um, Janice confides in her pastor. She doesn't... She doesn't tell him everything, but she basically frames it as a love triangle, like almost like um, polygamy, like she's another wife type oh thing. God, yeah. And the pastor told her that God would not approve. Um, so at that moment, Janice decided to go to Colleen's work and told her Cameron is not part of a company and that <gasps> all the stories are a lie and that she needed to go. God bless. Um, so, yes, Janice, bitch, but God, Janice. <laughs> but then it's like, did she do it because she felt bad for Colleen or did she do it because she wanted her husband back? Pin in it. Hold it. <laughs> just hold it. Um, I don't want to like her just yet because she's been doing this bullshit for seven fair. fucking years. And I don't think we're supposed to like her because she's still been doing this bullshit for seven years. But yeah. Okay. Um, okay. August 10th. But she's 19- being tortured too. So she's probably like a permanent Colleen. She was a Colleen before Colleen. That's okay. what I, I thought. Yeah. Um, anyways. So um, August, uh, August 10th, 1984, while Cameron was at work, Colleen called him and told him she was leaving. He cried, and she boarded a bus for home. God bless. She moved in with her father and told her family about being abducted and held captive, but refused to go to the police. Oh, my God. Um, She wanted it to just be over. She knew that if she went to the police, got her revenge, she would have to live every moment over again. And she was like, I didn't want to. I just wanted to be a 27-year-old woman again like i just wanted my life back yeah um and so even in her new freedom um she did still talk regularly to janice um Hmm. um and janice did beg her not to go to the police um that he had promised to change so um colleen was like well i kind of wasn't planning on it anyways so sure um and so Colleen began to get, build her life again. She got a job, went to church, even tried dating again. Like she was Ooh. just starting to like live her life. And then Janice 
took her two daughters and left Cameron for good. Okay. Janice called Colleen and said, some people are going to come talk to you and you need to talk to them. Oh, God. Is it the company? No. (laughs) (laughs) Whether Colleen liked it or not, she was going to have to talk to the police because Janice had turned on her husband and went to them. Oh, God. Janice had told them of two girls. Aside from Colleen? No, Colleen and another girl. Oh, Oh, shit. The one who he slit her vocal cords? Uh Uh-huh. One that Cameron had killed called Marliz. Marliz died before Colleen was abducted when he attempted to cut her vocal cords. But instead, he did it wrong, so he killed her. Oh, God. Um... After some research, um, it was learned that there was a missing girl from Chico who matched the description, and her name was Elizabeth Marie. Marliz. Yeah. And that's what her family called her, was Marliz. So, um, it came out that Janice had met Cameron at 15 or 16 years old, and that he would torture her. Police found photos of her bound and being submerged in a lake stop and police gave her immunity if she helped them find marliz's remains and testify against cameron oh my god janice could never pinpoint a place for the remains so all they had was janice's word so for um for a prosecution they turned to colleen and Mm -hmm. colleen's story colleen told police everything police then asked colleen if there were any other sex slaves that she knew about um colleen told them she didn't know of any others but she did so there was a place next like so there was the box that she was kept in under the mattress and then next to it was almost like a lock like a another box Mm -hmm. that was almost like a locker for her personal things that he abducted her with so like her purse all her personal items were in there (gasps) But also oh. in there, she noticed, was a photo of a, of a young woman that she didn't know who it was. Um, and it looked like a, gr- a girl's school portrait. Um, she described the photo, how she remembered it, and it matched the description of Mar- Marliz. Um, so they figured that this was his kind of like keepsake memento yeah. for her. November 18th, 1984, Cameron Hooker was arrested for Colleen's abduction and imprisonment. Um, let me see. Um, so Cameron, uh, oh, police found all the elements of torture that Colleen had told them about. And they also found a hole dug in a shed and it looked like he had plans to abduct another person. Stop. Yeah. So he wasn't going to do the box under the bed anymore. He was going to like basically have another basement situation. Oh my God. Well, like he would have a second person aside from Colleen or he was gonna well I, I guess we don't know uh it would it was after Colleen left so we don't know I oh, it, it okay, never okay. says when he made that hole or what but, but it was I just think for a it was person. after Colleen left he was preparing for the next one fuck dude um so Cameron Hooker's defense was that he kidnapped her but then he let her go and so the statute of limitations has run out and he should not be found guilty. Oh, fuck off. So basically he's saying that things, yes, he did abduct her, but things between them had changed and like, 
you know, she was able to have a job. She was able to do all this stuff, and she oh never my, left. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah, because um, you fucking scared the shit out of her, dude. Like, Yeah, then that was the what fuck? they had to show, was that she was held against her will, that she was coerced and manipulated. Yeah. Um, uh, and tortured into submission. Uh, Janice explained Cameron tried out his torture on her since she was a teenager, um, even hanging her up while she was pregnant with their first child. Oh, my God. Um, So she agreed to have to let him have a slave to save herself. Um, God, Janice. So for three days, Colleen testified to the jury, explaining every moment of her time enslaved to Cameron Hooker. The attorney got volunteers to demonstrate how the boxes and instruments of torture worked under Colleen's explanation. The whole time, Colleen stayed super composed. Um, She had spent so many years bottling her emotions that she was numb to the testimony that she was telling, which actually proved a big problem. And everyone was like, she's way too calm. Yeah. Like, she's fucking, she should be like so upset. Like, why is it? She ups- and she was fine. Like, she was like, yeah, this happened. And then he did this to me. And then it was very... And she explains in the documentary, um, she felt like she had to be that way because if she lost her composure, it, she wasn't going get it back. to be able to tell the story. And she was afraid that then he wouldn't be put behind yeah. bars. Um, so the defense produced love letters from Colleen to Cameron, trying to show that she was a willing slave. Um... The love letters that I saw did say, like, I love you, like, all this different stuff. But you can tell that it was, like, a love for allowing her to have any type of freedom. Yeah. Um, and um, they also produced phone records so- showing that she had called and talked to Cameron because it was times that Janice wasn't home. So I think, I mean, it's hard for us to picture but when your life is like that for seven years Mm -hmm. like it's all you know and I don't I don't know how one would act you know like I say now like I would you know but obviously no and especially like if that's all you know and like you said she was conditioned to learn that if she did every single thing that he asked her to do then she would survive Mm mm-hmm so mm-hmm. if you are under the impression that somebody is going to hurt your family, like, yeah, you're not going to fucking say anything. Even if you're there in the comfort of your own home, staying overnight without that person there, like mm-hmm. you're terrified because what if it's true? Like, yeah. what if you selfishly try to ask for help and, you know, get away from this guy and then you, you hurt your family? Like, mm-hmm. it's understandable. So, like, yeah. I kind of get the attachment that it creates, but it, I think it's like yeah like a, some type of a coping mechanism to mm-hmm. deal with everything else oh 100 percent, yeah um so cameron said it was the two women who were conspiring against him um <clears throat> he said at some point she began to enjoy the torture and stayed with him because she wanted to okay so at this point the jury was like well like they couldn't believe how someone was able to take jobs and was with their family and all this stuff. I mean, the, it it's it's back in the day, so there wasn't. They didn't understand. No, they just didn't understand. 
Yeah. So that's when they brought up a forensic psychiatrist explaining Stockholm Syndrome and brainwashing and what happens Mm -hmm. when you break them and coerce them into a set of behaviors. And that was the turning point. Like, they... They had all this, and then they brought him up, and he just made everything make so much sense to the jury. So after five and a half weeks of testimony, the case went to the jury after two and a half days of deliberation. On October 31st, 1985, the jury reached a verdict of guilty on 10 of 11 counts because um, they, like... They had all different types of counts. Like it, what it was the abduction, it was every yeah. rape. It was like it was like a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, somebody. Yeah. So I don't know what exactly all the counts were and what the one he didn't get was, mm-hmm. but either way, he was sentenced to 104 years. Um, to this day, no one has been charged with Marliz's disappearance because they just don't have enough on it. Yeah. In 2015, Cameron Hooker applied for early parole. Um, Colleen and Marliz's family campaigned to keep him locked up. And he was denied. And the judge actually looked at him and said, I cannot believe you wasted our time here today. Truly, because he's a fucking monster. Like, I'm sure he'd figure out a way to do it again. Yeah. So that's the girl in the box. Fucking hell in a goddamn hell basket. Yes. And if what you the ha- fuck? If you have Amazon Prime, um, there is a two-part documentary, which is where I got all of my information from. Um, it, it has Colleen. They take her back into the basement. Like, they... No. Yeah. Well, she wants... She, she doesn't want to, but she... And she says, she's like, A, it looks different because, like, someone else lives there and stuff like that but b she said i didn't see a lot of it like yeah. i really didn't like i was half the time that i was in the basement i was blindfolded yeah so um she's like but it's still Whew. yeah so it's it's interesting hearing her talk about it now um she has major issues with her body from being like confined like she's have she's had shoulder surgery I think oh, she sure. needs, like, hip surgery or something from the way that she had to man- maneuver her body to, yeah. like, live. Um, What's the name of the documentary? It's called The Girl in the Box. Oh, okay. So, I think it's Colleen Stan, colon, The Girl in the Box, and it's part one and part two. It has a black and white picture of, like, a box, like, a wooden box, the head box. Um, and, yeah, and I think there's, like, a Lifetime movie also um, that had that came out in like 2016. That's called the Girl in the Box. So, little fun fact: I just looked up because I wanted to see what he looked like. Mm-hmm. And when I looked up, um, I think I looked up his name, Cameron. Hooker. And in that, yeah, in that TV movie, who plays Janice Hooker? Zelda Williams. Stop. Yeah. Oh. It's like, huh? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So. It's it's crazy. Like, it's so sad to hear her talk about it. And, like, she's still really strong to this day. Like, she didn't cry too much during it. Um, but she has... She's had, you know, issues with marriages and stuff. And, like, keeping I'm sure. Those, but she does Poor have... Um, she does have a child. And she's a grandma now. Oh! Um, yep. And so she's just enjoying family life fuck man i mean 
at the surface a happy ending, but I'm sure that girl goes through fucking hell every goddamn day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she's also so, so grateful for her life. Oh, for sure. Time. Like, it's that yeah. weird balance of, like, living through that hell, but, gosh, having every day free and enjoying your family and, Yeah. What a wild ride. I have to watch that doc now. Super good. Super good. Especially since she's like in like, I'm sure like going through everything. Like that's what's the most like interesting to me. Like just, I want to hear it from her. I, I That's one of the reasons why I chose that one. Like I was going to watch the Lifetime movie and I was going to watch some others because there are some others out there. But then I saw that this actually had her in it like mm-hmm. through the whole thing. And I was like, okay. I want to oh, hear from her because no. it was it was good for me because I was able to put in some of her emotion during some of these mm-hmm. things like I was able to refer to like how she felt because she yeah. she told us um, so yeah it's it's really cool um, there is obviously like this is the cut down version it's literally a two part documentary each of the parts being 45 minutes so yeah it was it, it, it. <laughs> watching that we can watch that later <laughs> It's crazy. But yeah, you can oh, see man. like the can boxes we Uber and everything. And just fucking watch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Dude. There it is. Yes. That was a ride. Yeah. Right. Do you want to yeah. go next? Um sure. Uh, excuse Woo! me. I suppose. <laughs> so let me let me get my shit set up real quick. We need like pause music or something. Do 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 do. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> All right, whatever. I'm just gonna fucking wing the end. Um. Okay. So I did. So okay. When I looked up like um, Stockholm syndrome, three names came up, and it happened to be like, I mean, there's a lot, but the three biggest names that came up are the three of our story. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh shit, I found mine on a list and it was way down on the list. Yeah, no, this one literally watch, I'm gonna show you real quick. I'm gonna open up a It's probably the one that I got mine from. Cause Janine's was like first, and I think mine was like third. Yeah. So look, you look that up there, and it's literally one. Mine. Oh shit. Oh no, Patty Hearst's are and Colleen's down. Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, because uh, Patty Hearst is on it, too, but I didn't want to have to do mine on her. She said, that's a whole long story. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was, she was going to be my backup if I didn't find anything, like, real, real good, and then. No, I am i don't have, like, enough energy in me to go through all of that. That's, like, a six-pager. That's and I'm, a like, lot. Maybe, like, a my, page yeah. and a half, two-pager. How many pages is mine? Does not even say on here? It doesn't. I think mine was, like, nine pages. Jesus. Fuck. See, but I handwrite mine, guys. 14-point font. And like I do have it like bullet pointed at certain points, so. And I I think I mentioned before, which I thought about this when you were talking about yours because she was hitchhiking. Um, Crystal's uncle was killed because he was hitchhiking. Really? When he was eighteen years old, it was way back like in the seventies. That's when it was the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he was and he was eighteen years old and he was hitchhiking and then they murdered him. Which I want to find out his story so I can talk about it. But yeah, it's some fucking gnarly shit. That is really, really quick. I just got a sponsored post from Sword and Scale. <laughs> yes, we were talking about. Thanks so for listening, much. Mark. Um, is that your guy's name? No, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg. Mark oh, <laughs> that's oh. his name, right? Mark Zuckerberg. Mark 
What? Oh, Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. What? It's on the Facebook. Is that his name? Who's the? Yeah. What's the Facebook? Facebook. Guys. Yeah, but what's the? What's Boudet's first name? Mike. Mike. It is Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She said Mark. Yeah. Mike. Mark. Mark. Anyways. Mark. Okay. Yesterday we I were talking like, about um the like cherry Mike vanilla Mike. Coke. Cherry vanilla. Oh, uh huh. It's fucking delicious. And literally like. 12 minutes after we were talking about it, it popped up as a sponsored ad on Francine's. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting how they do I, that. I don't think I'll ever stop getting mattress ads because of how no. I've talked about the mattress. My, Kyle, uh, Kyle got a new mattress and then sent me the link and then my boyfriend got the new mattress <laughs> and then Eileen was asking someone, for my reviews so she might get a new mattress well we're gonna get a work. new mattress but I don't know if we're gonna get that one yeah yeah and like this was just kind of like our shot in the dark mattress it's classic brands it's on Amazon have at it if y'all want it I like my um my, tell them my, true crime girl sent you so we can reg- <laughs> Amazon influence my regular mattress with the little foam topper from Sam's mm-hmm. Club cause that's mm-hmm. like that's comfort though. That's that's what your dad has. Uh, he has one too. The kid has one. Yeah. That's why it's so fucking comfortable. Yeah. That's why I you fucking like it. love sleeping over here. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so I'm just gonna start. Um, I did Natasha Campush, and the name is Austrian. So I'm sorry if I mess up a lot, because the guy's name is. Anyways, um, so March second, 1998, ten year old Natasha Campush left her home in Vienna, Austria to go to school, but she never arrived. A nearby witness, um, and nearby witness, I mean, it was like a 12-year-old kid that just happened to say, (laughs) I saw this, told authorities they saw Natasha being kidnapped in a white minibus uh, van. I guess we call them minivans. Oh, they call them minibus. Minibus? Yeah, a minibus. Good to know. Mm -hmm. By two men. Um, An investigation led authorities to examine 776 minivans, including that of Wolfgang Pricklapil. I'm sorry? Wolfgang Pricklapil. (laughs) His last name is Pricklapil, yeah. Um, This man resided about an hour and a half away from Vienna. They were satisfied, satisfied? Satisfied with his alibi, which in which he claimed that he was home alone on the morning of the kidnapping Hmm. and that his minibus, minivan, whatever it was, was used to take concrete it was used to transfer concrete off of his property so they left with no further inquiries big mistake Uh natasha was actually hidden in a small cellar under the pricklapil's garage this would be her home for years to come for the first six months of her captivity natasha was not allowed to leave this chamber which was about 50 square feet of space um it was Uh a room with no windows hidden behind a concrete door reinforced reinforced with steel rendering it soundproof um I know, right? After a few years, Natasha was allowed to come up to the house, but he, but she had to return to the cellar at night and any time Pricklapil went to work. As the years went on, she was seen outside the house on multiple occasions where she seemed relaxed and happy. After she turned 18, Pricklapil took her away from the house but threatened to kill her if she made any noise. Um, Pricklapil also told her, or also took her on a skiing trip near Vienna for hours, but in her statement, after she was rescued, or after she escaped um natasha said that she didn't really have any opportunity to escape on that trip like he was with her the entire time um natasha described her life with pricklapil stating that most of her time was spent upstairs doing housework and cooking for him 
He would often beat her so badly she would be unable to walk and he would starve her to make her physically weak and un unable to escape. Um, she was also reportedly, she was also repeatedly raped by him. So, um, let me find it. When they found her, she weighed only... How old is she? When she was kid or when she disappeared she was 10 when she when they found her she her body mass index was 14.8 a normal bmi is 18.5 to 25 so it's 14.8 um when they found her she weighed about 106 pounds when she disappeared she weighed 99 pounds oh my god and then she only grew five inches. Oh my god! Fuck. Yeah. Um. So, Pricklepill had convinced Natasha that the windows and doors were booby trapped with a high explosive, and he threatened to kill her and their neighbors if she ever tried to escape. So that's like yours, instilling fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Very similar, yeah. Finally, on August twenty third, two thousand six, eight years, <clears throat> six months, and twenty one days after being abducted, Natasha finally saw her chance. Um, she and Pricklepill were outside cleaning his car when Pricklepill got a call. He stepped away to take it because Natasha was vacuuming. So she took advantage and just ran. She let the vacuum run and just booked. Wow. Um, she ran over 200 meters through backyard streets, jumping over fences. And I'm really like picturing. Um, have you ever seen Mr. Miss Smith? <laughs> yeah, when he's running away from her. <laughs> he's running away from her. Or like, like trying as to she's get driving. Her, yeah. yeah, that's what I picture. Like her just fucking like hurtling over shit yeah <laughs> literally like, because her life depended on it exactly yeah um she ran oh I mean, she she was jumping over fences finally reaching some pedestrians some passers-by she was telling them call the police call the police they ignored her what mm -hmm. finally after five or six minutes she knocked on the door of a neighbor and stated i am natasha campush that man immediately knew who she was called the police and they arrived 104 p.m um in like all the reports that i'm reading I don't know how they figured what time she I don't know maybe she looked at the clock or what but she said it was uh, at 12.54 is when she was just like I gotta go I gotta go like that's when it Fuck, happened dude. so from 12.54 to 104 no 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 hold on where am I at but also while you look at that yeah. can you imagine the immediate panic when he came back outside and she was fucking gone mm-hmm like what would oh, you be thinking if you had somebody captive what eight years you said mm -hmm. and they're gone and they're fucking gone like i'm worried for both of them me too <laughs> i'm worried for What's everyone yeah <laughs> i'm worried for everybody in all our stories I know. <laughs> um <laughs> the police arrived at 104 and they were basically like okay let's go put her in the car let's go they ended up at the police station they still had to identify her like get a positive yeah, identification because yeah. you know these fucking stories of like yeah people saying oh this is me and it's not really them right um she was identified by a scar on her body a passport that was in the room where she was kept so she happened to have her passport on her when she was kidnapped because she had just traveled with her parents like the weekend before oh and Whoa. she it just stayed in her backpack so when she was kidnapped it stayed on her and that kind of like helped Hel her yeah um, and they also did DNA tests, which they were ap like actually able to confirm. Um, she was pale. She was shaken. They said she was otherwise like healthy, except for uh -huh. the fact that she was 
severely underweight and just short stature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after her escape, Prickly Pill knew police were searching for him, so he committed suicide by jumping I in front of a train. Fucking knew it. God damn it. That <laughs> damn piece him. of shit. Yeah. So um, the police officer to speak <clears throat> to her were police officers that spoke to her were astonished by her intelligence and her vocabulary but she told them like after two years of her being there Pricklepill had brought her books newspapers and a radio which she kept turned to a certain station that was known for promoting like um education Mm -hmm. and she was only allowed to listen to that and she was only allowed to watch programs in other languages so she wouldn't be able to see that people were actually looking for her still oh shit um and she knew that she like had some sort of deficit she knew she wasn't where she should be educationally so she always tried to teach herself stuff with whatever he gave her with books and all the stuff that he gave her she taught herself to knit she taught herself how to um cook better like she just learned how to do taught herself basically yeah Yeah, just to like keep herself going what a smart fucking girl Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so after everything happened um she she wrote a book she wrote a book called i think it's like uh 3096 and that's how many days she was gone oh wow and it's um oh that's that gives me when you put it into days there's a, a documentary called natasha campush 3096 days in captivity um in it she said i feel more and more sorry for him he's a po- poor soul and according to police she just cried when she heard that he was dead she cried and cried and cried and they could not console her just she was just devastated she went to the morgue she lit a candle for him and she just she couldn't um she never once referred to him as a criminal or anything like that he was always she always referred to him by his name and like kind of cared about him Yeah. yeah um she finally did an interview in 2006 and just basically the same stuff over and over and over there was another book by uh two men alan hall and michael leidig in november 2006 they wrote it about her it's called girl in the cellar the natasha campus story um but she and her i guess people her lawyers Mm -hmm. threatened that they were gonna um take legal action against it because they said there was like they don't they weren't there obviously so they don't know what it's like they're basically writing a story on a story story. yeah basically so it's like it's obviously they 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 didn't do any research behind it they They didn't didn't even talk to her and they didn't talk to her about it it just happened and they and it came out in 2006 the book came out in 2006 all this happened in um in late 2000 in november 2006 and she was she escaped august 2006 so yeah. two months later supposedly they're telling everything um they where am i at oh yeah so her book is called 3096 t-a-g-e and it's 3096 days but in in that like their language they're german they're, yeah. i think um and then there, it was adapted into a german movie in 2013 um, in August of 2016, she released a second book titled 10 Years of Freedom. Um, so I kind of want to get them both yeah. and just read them because that's that's like 10 years of or eight years of captivity, 10 years of freedom. Yeah, that's uh-huh. scary. Um, so this is where it gets kind of weird. The oh, house this is where it gets. 
<laughs> now <laughs> just starting. Like, okay. So the house where she was um, kept in captivity <clears throat> was actually built by Pricklepill's grandfather after World War II. They basically uh-huh. built a bomb shelter in it, which is why it was concrete, reinforced steel. So that mm-hmm. was her room. Now, Natasha owns the house. I, f- I knew you were going to fucking say some weird shit like that. She bought the house. Like, for him or because she had an emotional attachment to the home that she was in for so long? She said, <sighs> and I quote, I know it's grotesque. I must now pay for electricity, water, and taxes on a house I never wanted to live in. Um, she also claimed that she bought the house from the estate because she wanted to protect it from vandals and from being torn down. She also noted that she had visited since her escape. Um, she retained the house because it was such a big part of her formative years. Yeah, also figured. stating that she would fill the cellar if it's ever sold. Adamant that it would never become a ma- um, macabre? Macabre? Macabre. 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 Uh, museum to her lost adolescence. The that cellar makes the most sense. Yeah. yeah. Um so the cellar the yeah the cellar was filled in 2011 but as of 2013 she still owns a house. That makes sense. Um not wanting Yeah. yeah. So it's it's that. like a mental thing for her then cuz that's mm-hmm. I feel like she might think like everything that she went through will just be destroyed and disrespected mm-hmm. but and not only that if somebody buys it knowing what happened there yeah, it'll they're be gonna exploited profit. yeah, yeah. For and sure. that's i mean i get it like at first you think like oh that's fucked up why would you do that why would you, why wouldn't you just tear it down and it's like mm-hmm. because you're tearing down you're erasing mm-hmm. something that can never be erased within you yeah mm-hmm. so for you that's like your coping mechanism maybe one day she'll feel okay like tearing it down but as of mm-hmm. Wow. Um, yeah. Shit. So that's it. That's my story. Oh my God. This I, I didn't think this episode was gonna be so long and fucked up. It's yeah. Oh my god. It's at least it's gonna be way over an hour. Yeah. Um Oh my god. I think mine took like forty minutes or something to get through. Yeah. So. We're going to be up there, but that's okay. Here you go. Here's the long episode. I know. We kept you waiting. <laughs> we, so I know. Here you go. Um. All right. Let me get mine. Okay. <clears throat> Man, I don't even know if mine is as fucked up as... I mean, probably is, it's, it is. I mean... It wasn't prolonged. It doesn't... It wasn't prolonged, but... <clears throat> it's still fucked up. I think mm, I think that sh- her connection to them is a little creepier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So Mary McElroy was born in 1907 to, Mar- to Marie and Henry McElroy. As a child, she grew up in a very sheltered environment, but was raised by her father to be very self-reliant and headstrong. After her mother's death in 1920, she took on the role of caring for her father I don't I think she was an only child so that kind of added to that mm-hmm. um, a very close relationship naturally formed between them between the two of them and Mary continued to live with her father even after she reached adulthood Mary's father Henry McRoy was Mac McElroy you mm-hmm. fucked me up <laughs> I, I before we started this Eileen said is it McElroy or McKel- <coughs> McElroy McElroy is McElroy? it McElroy or McElroy it's Mac McElroy <laughs> Anyways, 
Mary's father, Henry, had moved to Kansas City from Chicago in 1895 at the age of 30. Previously working as a store clerk, he eventually developed political connections and in 1922 secured an appointment as a judge of the Western District of the Jackson County Court, um, which was an administrative, not a legal position. In 1926, boss Tom Pendergast used his influence with five city council members to ensure that Henry was hired as Kansas City's city manager, um, a new position that was recently approved by voters. So I guess back then they had like these little political um, like gangs kind Mm -hmm. of. So they would like they had just a lot of influence around um, their like immediate cities. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of more like a mob mafia type of like okay. situation going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they called them machines. So Ew. the with the support of the Penderca- Pendergast machine, Henry became one of the most powerful people in the city and even in the state of Missouri. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. I had it because they said like the Pendergast, uh, he, he made like... Um, connections with the Pendergast machine and I was like what the fuck's that like a like an equipment Mm -hmm. but it explained it's some type of like a political bully gang Um, while many of Henry's accomplishments were widely considered to be great improvements to the vitality of the city um, his methods on accomplishing his success came into question as the 1930s progressed his connections to the machine politics and a criminal underworld headed by mobster John Lazia became obvious Even worse, he came under fire for perceived mismanagement of public funds, a practice Henry McRoy regularly referred to as, quote unquote, country bookkeeping. (laughs) Don't know what that means. Um, And also was suspected of engaging in bribery. Um, So who knows if this is like the person he was before he got into politics, but this is the person that he was now. Right. Um, Who he grew into at least. Yeah, and the people that he was around and this machine that he was a part of, um, it kind of just like rubbed off on him and he wasn't that great of a person anymore. (sighs) It was in this environment on May 27, 1933, that Mary McElroy was kidnapped by four inexperienced and unknown criminals who were inspired by national headlines of past successful kidnappings. So they were like, yeah, we think we can do it. (laughs) Um, And essentially they fucking did it. Uh, While Mary was bathing that morning, two of the accomplices, Walter McGee and Clarence Stevens, approached the front door of the McElroy home. Dressed as delivery men, they tricked the cook, Hida Christensen, into opening the door for them. Armed with revolvers, they took Mary hostage. And I don't know why the article I was reading said what she was wearing. (laughs) She was wearing a pink cotton frock, tan pantyhose, and white shoes. So you can get that image. Yeah, super cute. Um, They took her to a home near Shawnee, Kansas, where they handcuffed her to a wall in the basement. Yeah, this is actually very short. Um, I'm just looking at it right now. They handcuffed her to a wall in the basement. The kidnappers never harmed Mary as she maintained composure and appeared to be in good spirits throughout the ordeal. Um, They never made sexual advances. They were never violent towards her or disrespectful or anything like that. In a turn of events that would later capture the public's attention, and the reason we're even talking about her, is because she befriended her kidnappers. At Mm -hmm. 9 o'clock the morning after her kidnapping, the kidnappers received the $30,000 ransom ransom, and released Mary near a golf course. So she was only gone for like 24 hours. Um, 
they were considerate enough to give her a fare to pay for her transportation back home, but not considerate enough to give her a ride, which I guess makes sense because if they dropped her off, they could probably get, you know, yeah, caught or whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. they fucking got caught anyway. Um, <laughs> three of the four accomplices were arrested regardless um, soon after. And Walter McGee, like kind of the main perpetrator, uh-huh. uh, was sentenced to death, which was one... Which was the first time in the U.S. that such a harsh penalty had ever been handed down for kidnapping. Wow. Um, yeah, because even for you guys, like, um, your yours was in California, right, Kyle? Yes. Yeah, they could have given him the death penalty, but they didn't. Yeah, I mean, they not gave that him it makes sense. Four years, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make sense in California, regardless. But um, mm-hmm. this was the first time the death penalty was given for kidnapping, That's and crazy. it was twenty-four hours. They never hurt her. Or anything yeah, like that, which I is feel crazy. Like there I mean, they kidnapped her and they were fucked up. So, yeah. Still. But like, it does seem kind of harsh, I guess. And I, I think it's because it does seem the, harsh. Yeah, and I think maybe because she was like the child of a politician or yeah, somebody maybe. of that stature. Um, but so, uh, Walter McGee got the death sentence. George McGee, which was his younger brother, received a life sentence. And Clarence Click, the owner of the property where she was held captive, was sentenced to eight years. The fourth capture was still on the loose at the time that, whatever. Okay. <laughs> at the time that whatever. Cool. Yeah, like I, I read a few articles and they never like said what happened to him after. Okay. Um, although still outraged at the kidnapping, Henry McRoy was pleased with the harsh sentences. Mary, however, sunk into a deep depression in principle, she agreed that the death penalty was appropriate for the kidnappers, but in her particular case, she took sympathy on her kidnappers and could not bear the idea of Walter McGee being executed. Oh, wow. Rumors and news headlines circulated both locally and nationally that she and Walter had been in a romantic relationship, although this was probably not true. Um, in the 24 hours that they were together, nothing happened, and I'm think it would be kind of hard to create a relationship after the fact right if he's been incarcerated <laughs> a little bit yeah um yeah mary convinced her father to help her obtain a stay of execution from the missouri governor and they were actually successful in commuting commuting mcgee's sentence to life in prison okay unfortunately as time went on Mac- mary mcroy's life remained unhappy She continued to feel sorry for her kidnappers and frequently visited them in prison. She was devastated when her father was forced to resign as city manager in April 1939 and following the the downfall of his close political connection to Tom Pendergast. Henry McRoy actually died shortly after in September of 1939 at the age of 74. Which seems really young, but in 1939, that's really old. (laughs) He lived a long time. Um, Mary never managed to adjust to life without her father and continued to feel pressure from the members of the media who were eager, of course, to capitalize on her stories of romance, um, which they kind of fabricated on their own, and Mm -hmm. um, the plummeting political legacy of her father. So on top of being in the spotlight just as the daughter of somebody as big as him, he was corrupt, so they were on her about that. They were on her about the kidnapping and what they, again, had like fabricated that maybe or maybe not they had a romantic relationship. Um, She became increasingly reclusive, 
The pressures of everything un- ultimately became too much for her, and on January 20th, 1940, she completed suicide with a single gunshot wound mm-hmm. to the head. <laughs> was, it, was it self-inflicted? It was a self-inflicted one gunshot wound to the head. Um, her maid discovered Mary's body um, in Mary's bedroom, and she did leave a suicide note which read, my four kidnappers are probably the four people on earth who don't consider me an utter fool. You have your death penalty now, so please give them a chance. Signed, Mary. She was only 32 years old, and for... That doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> it says for Mary McElroy. Um, For her, the kidnapping saga was over, but everyone else continued to wonder about the strange events that happened in 1933 on the day of her kidnapping. Mm -hmm. And this story remains one of Kansas City's most sensational and ultimately tragic crimes. Wow. So I thought that one, um, I remember reading a little bit of yours with the the couple with the baby and I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, can't trust them. Um, (laughs) But I thought this one is crazy because she, on top of, everything that was going on with her dad like she really cared for them yeah and it was just so much that she ended up ending her life that it's insanity mm-hmm. yeah it's so crazy Hers- especially at a time like that like so early on like that would have fuck what was it um 1940 dude yeah that was i remember reading some of yours as well and i was just like wow like she she was so connected to them and it almost yeah. makes you wonder like that 24 Oops, hours or so that she was there like what did they talk about like what yeah. you know like what connection did they make to where you know well. yeah i i mean from her upbringing it seems like they were very upper class or mm-hmm. was that what you call it um so i'm sure she was very well mannered she was beautiful if you see her yeah. photo so i can see her like becoming or befriending you know the people that she's with regardless obviously of the situation but i mean again she probably she didn't have her mom she's probably around just her dad's friends who probably treated her like fucking shit yeah because she's this beautiful woman and yeah so i guess i kind of get it but i mean these stories are all a mind fuck yeah it is but i mean that's what's happening is their minds are getting fucked and so they're fucking our minds and everybody's minds getting fucked and it's just a mind fuck i want to get fucked truly <laughs> oh i i was saying truly to kyle and then i just realized what you said <laughs> oh, shit. you can keep that in um so yeah so th- Stockholm Syndrome, man. Dude, this one was... It was actually a good one. This was a really good one. This was good. You're... Yeah. yeah no. I'm... I still feel, like, we anxious when I'm ones. thinking about being in that fucking box. Well, yeah. I mean... That Just that being in a confined space. We had two of ours that had to be, like, in a confined oh, space. It's creepy. It's creepy, but, I mean... it. They're, they're supposed to make you feel like nothing. So I guess I that would do it. That would do it. Well, I hope you guys liked this episode because this is really fucked up. Yeah, but I um, really liked it. Like it, I feel like we have, I mean, not that the ones that we've been doing haven't been good, but like we haven't had like a something like real this. good one in a minute. And this yeah. one I liked. Yeah. 
it's so bright outside right now um well thank you guys yeah. so much for listening yes. and sticking around through our fuckery and yes. being rad like all the fucking time yeah and so but if you're um, still here i don't understand why because i stopped listening last season yeah we, we always <laughs> never know why i, I, I don't i, I, I don't listen, listen to my own season. every season so. <laughs> and actually um starting today when this is released um we will be like on a new website platform so go ahead and go check that out um hopefully mm-hmm. let us know like if you do end up purchasing stuff from our store, let us know if it's like easier or like if it was easy for you or anything like that. Cause we are um, trying out um, Shopify and we want to make sure that, you know, it's, it's good worth for it. you guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, let us know. Um, and best way to do that is if you've already purchased something, purchase, purchase it again. <laughs> See what happens. Let yeah. us know the difference. <laughs> Seriously. It's a win-win all around. Yeah. So it should it should be better for us and for you. So we'll see. Um, hopefully. But yeah, yeah, so that releases today. So even if you don't buy anything, just go look at it. Just go look at the new thing. Shiny Tell new Tell a things. friend. Send it to your boyfriend. Send it to your girlfriend. Send it to your mom. Yeah, send it to your dog and say, hey, person that I love so much, buy this for me. Send it to the girl in the box. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's 2020. They probably have social media just like 20 (laughs) minutes a day. Oh, my God. I really hope nobody's like captive right now. That'd be really shitty. Is it bad Um, that like, well, obviously, I hope that no one's captive right now. But if they are and they're listening to this. You that would can be strange. get out. There is there no is company. no company. Oh my god! Did you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> they are the company. Can we, we stop? We are oh the god. company. All right, that's it. All right, we're we're done with this. Goodbye. Thank you guys so much again. We love you. Please stay rad. Please, please continue supporting us. Yeah. Thank you. And. Go follow us on all the things. Follow us everywhere. Just don't follow us home, especially at a time like this. We're social distancing. Yeah. You can follow me home if you have alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Now more than ever. Stay Actually, you can follow me home if you have toilet paper and hand sanitizer. (laughs) Otherwise, don't follow me home. (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Stay healthy. Stay safe.